Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mike Springston FFC Podcast. We hope you're doing well. We appreciate you joining us from around the world to study the Word of God. We're talking today about uh, the plan of God in 18 verses and 10 words. We're dealing today with the word salvation. This comes from a message that we taught on Sunday evening, November the 20th of 2022. And so we want to get right into that. Uh, message, and I will be back with you at the conclusion. Are you kidding me? And uh, it's an FFC podcast where we coach you in the Word. Family Fellowship Chapel's regular watchers and our regular church members, we appreciate you. We ask all of those of you or any of those of you that wish to contact us with a word of encouragement, a question, or whatever you would like to share, please do so at springston56 at gmail.com, mikespringstonministries.com, ffcma.org, or through Family Fellowship Chapel's Messaging. We We would love to hear from you. Well, let's get started tonight. We're on the plan of God in 18 verses and 10 words, part 7. That part is working through the word salvation from John chapter 1. The text tonight comes from Hebrews 1 and 4 and Hebrews 2 and 3. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who are the heirs of salvation? And then in Hebrews 2, 3, how shall we escape? Now listen to this. If we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. Father, we thank you for the word of God tonight. <coughs> Open our eyes that we can see and our ears that we can hear and our heart that we can understand what the word of God says. Then <coughs> may we apply it to our lives so that we can be changed into the image of your dear son. We sanctify ourselves, yield ourselves, and surrender ourselves to the Holy Spirit. We ask you, Jesus, to speak. May the Holy Spirit reveal. May we receive, and then may we release to the body of Christ the message of truth that comes from you. In the name of Jesus Christ, our High Priest, our Lord, and our Man in the Godhead. Amen and amen. Tonight's focus, of course, is on the word salvation. This morning we looked at 2 Timothy 1 and 7 and we determined that God has given us something that is greater than the spirit of fear. What we saw there was the benefit that salvation that has been been produced for the understanding of salvation. And that benefit is that there is power that produces love that then from that production develops for you and me a strong, sound mind. These three things, power, love, and a sound mind, are the exact opposite of fear that has been produced in our inner man, in the inner man of the unbeliever. And we're going to show you something a little bit deeper than that in just a few minutes. Now this certainly 
This fear does not reflect what Paul meant, what Paul was telling us in 2 Timothy 1.7. <clears throat> but there is a spirit that is in man, that is a spirit of death. Hi, Charles. That spirit is a shadow of darkness, and this darkness is ex the expression that is completed in mankind by his deeds, actions, and behaviors that represent works of the flesh. Hi, Jack. This spirit can never express faith in Jesus Christ because the spirit of fear produces only the works that are associated with the works of death. Now, this spiritual division, and this is where I was going, this spiritual division does not just find itself in those who make no profession of belief in the work of Jesus Christ or make no effort to associate with his post-resurrection positions. So, it is engaged in though by those who live a life that attempts to serve two masters. In other words, they see him in the cross and they have heard about him in the tomb and they come to church on the day we celebrate the resurrection. But they have no um, post-resurrection association with the offices, with the places, the conditions, and the positions of Jesus Christ. In other words, they have no interaction, engagement with Him as the high priest. They have no engagement with Him as Lord. And they have no engagement with Him as the man in the Godhead. So they do not engage in what the high priest accomplished. What did he accomplish, Mike? He accomplished the, spr the sprinkling of blood on the vessels of ministry for your safety and for your ability to be healed at the cross, preserved in your spirit man, delivered into the victoriously anointed Christ Jesus, and then have the ability to come into the holy place and worship in the holy place. Then proceed from there into the Lordship of Jesus Christ where every name that is named comes under His exalted name and then have the opportunity to be in the throne room of God where the man in the Godhead bodily is speaking. Now, we have those that don't believe at all in Jesus Christ. They don't believe at all in God. They don't want any, any spiritual relationship. And if they do have a relationship, they believe there are very, very many ways that they can get to God. Then we have those who believe that they can come to the cross and say they believe with while doing no crucifying, no dying, no burying, therefore no preservation. And certainly it is not necessary for them to experience the resurrected life that is Christ and the victoriously anointed Christ, which is, by the way, associated with the spirit of life that is in Christ Jesus. 
So we're not just talking about the unbeliever here. We're talking about the uneducated who have chosen to come to what they have been exposed to expecting that that is all there was to this Christian walk. So we're now striking into those. We are now coming upon them is what I mean. Who do not understand the benefits of salvation. Who do not recognize the fact that the ministering spirits are sent forth to minister to the heirs of salvation. And how in the world can we escape the world and all of its trappings if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first being uh, began to be spoken, now watch this, by the Lord. Paul, John saw him as salvation. The Old Testament saw him over and over and over again as Yeshua, the salvation of God. Habakkuk 3.13 tells us he was sent forth with salvation. And he brought with salvation anointing that destroyed the wicked from the foundation to the neck. Yeshua did all of that. But yet, we don't want to understand the benefits. We want to attempt to live in the blessing. We want to live in the blessing. But we do not want to understand the benefits. This is critical, my friend. So we can come into this thing at the cross, remain at the cross, and live a life without the benefits of salvation. Now, those who are there are very confused. They're confused in the spirit as much so as those who are living lives that are totally absent from the knowledge of truth because they don't see anything in the Word of God as working for them. They don't see anything in the plan of salvation as actually being effective or effective upon their life and how they're able to live it. Why is that? Well, it's because they don't live in the benefits associated with the very salvation of which they supposedly claim. Now watch. This is what they do in this world. They trust. They listen to. And they take in common things. I heard a man say the other day that he doesn't go to church anymore. And the individual he was talking to asked him why. And he replied, well... I know all of those old Bible stories better than the preacher. Think about that. I know all of those old Bible stories. I know about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I heard all that. I know about David and Goliath. I heard all of that. I know all of those old Bible stories. Well, what a sad commentary. To think that the Word of God has absolutely in the churches that he's been attending, no revelation for today, and nothing that is relevant to the moment. Unfortunately, friend, that's a lot of what we're getting in our churches today. We're getting year-long liturgies. 
We're getting churches that are preaching a, a liturgy. We're getting churches that are preaching sermon based on a year-long basis. No revelation in it. Just Bible stuff. Expecting people to learn how to live for God and learn how to overcome the things of the devil that we'll see in just a minute that he is using against us. What is that, Mike? They're common things, my friend. They're common things. The enemy, think of this, has relegated the ministry to bringing forward the common things that have no revelation for the moment, no message for the hour, no spiritually driven revelation of the things that are created and given to us freely for those of us who take in the mind of Christ. They're all common things, friend. It's just a common old church service. Yeah, we'll go in, we'll sing two songs, we'll take up the offering, we'll have a prayer with three points and a poem, and then we will stand up and bless everybody and tell them everybody's going to heaven, go have a good week, and have nothing, absolutely nothing, to face or fight the devil with. The Scripture speaks of this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. Listen. There hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able. But with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. See, my friends, our problem is, is that we're desirous to remain in common things. Because those common things make us feel comfortable. Those common things make us feel like everything's okay. Those common things make us feel like we don't have anything to worry about. Those common things tell us that God loves us too much to send us to hell. That God's really, Jesus is not really going to be a lion. He's only going to be a lamb. But look at the scripture, my friend. The Bible said that when the common things are going about, when all the common things of the devil, when the ministry has been left to preach common things for no good reason because there's plenty of spirit, there's plenty of revelation. Jesus Christ said, my sheep know my voice. There's plenty of the voice of Jesus. There is no excuse for having to go in to a computer to locate a message that someone else preached under another anointing and thought it was good and published it and turn around and preach it to your people. There's no excuse for that. There's no excuse for you not spending time or me not spending time in prayer, in the word. The problem is, I'm going to tell you where the problem lie. The problem lie in the fact that we have talked ourselves senseless. Instead of getting into the Spirit and crossing over into the Spirit and praying in the Spirit as Paul taught us to, we have talked ourselves senseless until we're tired of saying and praying the same old things over and over again. So our prayer life has shut down because our intellect is saying, what, what, what good is that? 
But the reality of the situation is Paul said that we could talk directly to God. We could go into the spirit world and speak directly to God. Our prayer life is going to have a revelation in the spirit world if we will but cross over and get out of ourselves and stop trying to impress ourselves with our words and stop trying to impress God with our words and begin to move in the heavenly conversation as the Holy Spirit is directing us. But we won't do that. We don't want to do that. Because that would require us taking the time to sit down and surrender ourselves to Him. But yet with all of the commonalities and the foolishness that we do, God is faithful. He will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but with every temptation will make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Isn't that interesting? He'll make a way of escape. What's that way of escape, Pastor Mike? Well, I believe that that way of escape is crossing out of the natural convention into the spirit world and hearing from the voice of Jesus Christ. Because if I could make it up in my own mind, if I could determine answers how to do things, how to get things done, how to absolutely cause the troubles, strifes, and problems of this world to come under my intellectual idea and then be solved. Well, I would do that. The problem is we cannot do that. It can only be done in the Spirit of God. He said that He would make a way of escape that you're able to bear. Even when there is a common thing that is trying to make an impression upon you, there is a faithful influence that is being revealed to you that is willing to show you a way of escape. What are you escaping from, Mike, the common thing? You're escaping from the churches that are preaching the common thing. You're escaping from the people that are telling you the same old story over and over. You're escaping from the people that are literally hiding the revelation of the Word of God from you. But yet we will continue to go into those churches and know in our spirit we're getting nothing out of it. But be told that everything is alright, everybody's going to heaven. My friend, those common things are not giving you the benefits of salvation. Now what way is he going to use? How is he going to bring you out of the common things? Well, if you'll come over and walk in the spirit... And begin to be filled with the Spirit. And let the Spirit not only be in you, but let Him be upon you. And let Him be on you. Then He will begin to show you how to worship in spirit and truth. It won't be worshiping a song, a beat, a musician, the sound of a piano or a drum or a guitar. No, it will be the ability to worship in spirit and in truth. When we do that, we can cross over and enter into the heavenly conversation and in so doing, find the revelation that God has prepared for us. Of course, we know that what re that revelation has been freely provided for us and we have the opportunity to head on into the throne room of God and get it, provided we process the right way. As we would suppose, man who is living in the spirit of fear cannot worship correctly. Because he doesn't possess the freedom to enter into the place of worship. Now watch what happens to the lost. And to those who have no understanding of the benefits of the plan of salvation. Watch what happens. 
We don't understand what Jesus means. What he did for us in the plan of salvation. We don't understand what Christ means and what he did for us in the plan of salvation. We don't understand the high priest or the lordship of Jesus Christ and what they did for us in the plan of salvation. We don't understand the man in the Godhead and what he's done for us in the plan of salvation. Of course, we know that we can take Jesus and we know that he provided healing for us. Forgiveness of our transgressions and iniquities, the recapturing of peace, and healing of our spirit and our body. We know that that same Jesus went to the tomb, and there in the tomb his body was buried, but his spirit was preserved. We know that that Jesus went into the region of the damned, and the Holy Spirit delivered him out of there as the victoriously anointed Christ, having both the keys of death and hell. We know that. We have seen him then in healing, preservation, and deliverance. We've seen Jesus heal us and preserve us. We've seen the victoriously anointed Christ deliver us from the region of damned, of the damned and become the victoriously anointed one. Now we're looking at him in his high priest as the high priest, giving us the ability to have safety. Then we see him as the uh, Lord in lordship. As the one who gives the soundness in our spirit, soul, and body. Soundness in everything that has a name. Because everything that has a name bows its knee to the exalted lordship of Jesus Christ. Then we go in to see him as the man in the Godhead bodily where everything is made whole. The church is made whole. The church is made absolutely complete in him according to John 1, 20 and 21. We are absolutely made complete. Then Paul said in Colossians 3 that we are hidden in Him. Hidden in Christ Jesus with God. We're complete, my friend. He is the whole, uh, not only sound lordship, but He is the wholeness of the completion of the revelation that has been produced by His interaction with us in the Spirit and that being done by him being our man in the Godhead bodily. See, the plan of salvation must be unfolded and must be understood. This is dynamic stuff, brethren. This is dynamic stuff, sisters. It's stuff that if we live unaware of the benefits that are produced and provided in this plan and given to us by these names. Now listen. We live in an association with common things. We live under the influence or the impression, rather, of common things. Now, that impression will become an influence. Common things will become an influence. These common things become more of a spiritual resemblance for us to the enemy of our soul and our spirit than they do to the one who provided the sheltering of the benefits of salvation. Because we choose to stay in common things, in weakness, in all of the, the things that are the antithesis of love, and to live without a sound, strong mind, to be blown in our mind, to seek and look and, and run to things that do not represent a sound mind. Because of that, my friend, 
We have taken on the resemblance of the enemy of our soul who is attacking us with common things. Church has become so common that people would rather stay at home than come to worship the God of the universe. Think about it. Church has become so common that we could come to church steeped in sin, sing a song that means nothing to us, hear the word of God preached that has no impact, leaves no impression, so therefore makes no influence, and walk out of that church and go back into our world and live under the resemblance of our enemy. It's no wonder the devil is doing what he does in our world. He's doing it right in the middle of our own church. We've taken on the resemblance of our enemy because we have decided to operate in common things. We've decided we would rather hear a Bible story than a revelation of the Word of God. We have decided we would rather sing, jump, and dance to the sound of a beat of the music and the words from music than to cross over into the spirit world and get out of our flesh. Common things. That's common. But that's where the world is. We've darkened our churches until our churches look like we're ready to put on a, a concert with some major rock band. Common things, friends. We've opened the doors and said, come on in, all of you, just as you are. Don't worry about any transformation. Common. Just be common. Well, my friend, that's a bit of a problem. When I read 2 Timothy 1.7, that's a bit of a, a problem. Whenever I listen to the word of God that said, how can we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? That's a bit of a problem. How can we escape if we neglect the healing and the forgiveness that's in the cross? The death that's in the tomb. The preservation of our spirit man that's in the tomb. How can we escape if we neglect the deliverance? From the region of the dam that Christ went through. How can we escape if we neglect the understanding that we are risen with Christ. And that our affection should be set on things above. How can we escape if we never understand that we are to be priests after the high priest. That we are to walk into the safety of the holy place and worship there. Where the blood and the body resides, has been sprinkled and given for us to nurture ourselves with. How are we to escape if we neglect the Lordship of Jesus Christ? How do we escape if we neglect that? How do we escape if we neglect what He is offering us from the throne room of God in direct revelation through the Spirit of God to speak directly to us and show us things to come. How do we expect to escape if we neglect the benefits of salvation? Because some preacher said, listen, this is once in grace, don't ever worry about it. I know you're saved, you can live like the devil. It just doesn't add up, my friends. This is dynamic stuff. We can continue to live in common things. But we will have this in, in common with our unbelieving partners. We'll be trying to be a two-timer. 
will be serving two masters. Now, fear then the spirit of fear to those that are two-timers or those that are totally unbelieving becomes the counterfeit of salvation. Because of this, it relies on man's natural senses. Isn't that interesting? We, as a church world, have a small core group that believe that the Spirit of God has three works. He is in you to save you. He is upon you to strengthen your mind, to bring you into the mind of Christ. And then He is on you to engage you with Him. To engage you through the spirit world. Where the man in the Godhead can speak and the Holy Spirit can, can show you, lead you, guide you, encourage you, reprove you. Tell you what to say and show you things to come. These are things that Jesus said he directly would do through the spirit of God. But we want to live in our natural man and we want to speak and teach against that. And in order to speak and teach against that, people have to agree. That their natural senses are greater than their spiritual senses. This becomes the common thing, friend. There is no faith expressed in the life of an unbeliever or in the life of a two-timer. The natural senses override the spiritual senses. And they live to follow the senses because that's the easiest access. I can go to church on Sunday. I can sing two songs, listen three points in a poem, walk out the door, and everybody will say, you're saved. You're an evangelical Christian. Well, the problem is, we've not come into the benefits of this great salvation. So let's look at those benefits of salvation from the natural side. Is there deliverance in fear? Of course. You're delivered yourself from what you perceived as danger. It's personal deliverance. Oh, that's you taking care of you. Is there safety in fear? Of course. You seek a safe and comfortable place where you're protected from danger. They say a tornado's coming. You get to the center of your house where you can protect yourself. That's safety. That's a counterfeit of the benefit of salvation. Because we're, we're not talking about this safety as an external safety. We're talking about this safety as an internal safety. Is there preservation in fear? Yeah. You do all that you can do to take care and safeguard yourself from every personal harm. Is there healing in fear? Yeah. To the extent that you don't allow harm to come to you. Is there soundness in fear? Again, to the extent that you safeguard yourself from bodily harm. This is the, what, I, what I would refer to as the isolation effect. Is there wholeness in fear? Yes. This is what I would call the insulation effect. You take no risk. You wring your hands with concern over the possibilities of potential mishaps. So we can readily see and there are natural benefits in the spirit of fear. These benefits, however, are very restrictive and they're limiting. They reflect a deep concern for the moment and for taking, for taking care at all costs of the life that you have in your body. It's a spirit that leads to both isolation and insulation from the prospect of hurt, trouble, and fatigue. But in reality, it is the wrapper of death 
because it really hinders your growth. Man was constructed in the image of God in his spirit. This was not to live with the emphasis in the natural, but to live with the emphasis in the spiritual. Man was created to live with the emphasis being distributed from the inside out. The spirit of fear transposes that until man is living with his emphasis strictly and totally from the outside in. It's the counterfeit effect. Now, God, through his son, has not given us an outside-in window into the spirit world. He's eliminated the fear factor in the spirit that brought it into play for mankind. Paul has told us precisely how he did this. He did it by grace, mercy, and peace in 2 Timothy chapter 1 in the beginnings of that book. And the promise of life that was given by God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. The spirit of death, my friend, has been defeated. Life has begun. What was the deliverer of life? Paul tells us it is delivered by the power, by love, and by what they produce in you in being a strong, sound mind. So if we're hindered in growth, what does that look like? We become a very sterile person spiritually. We take no risks unless the risks satisfy the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. To these risks, we pursue them with vigor because they are in us to satisfy our needs. We don't see these as life-threatening or life-altering. We actually see them, those common things, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the we see them as necessities. While we do the six things to lengthen our natural man, we have no understanding of the effects of these things concerning our personal need for satisfaction upon our spiritual man. So we enhance the spirit of fear to take care of our life. And of course... Those common things desensitize us to the very same things that have been offered to us in the spirit man. Our natural sense of fear is in control. And our spiritual senses that are made and created and developed in you by the seven spirits of God are again put on hold. This places man in what I would call an upside down condition with respect to what should be the actual process and construct of man. So, there is a healing, friend. It's in the thing we're neglecting. It's in salvation. There is a way to enact our spirit man and our soul man. That is, to allow the Holy Spirit to come in us, to save us and bring salvation. To allow the benefits of salvation to begin to be developed in us. We're healed, we're preserved, we're delivered, we're safe, we're under His Lordship, sound. And we're listening to the voice of our man in the Godhead who is making us whole and complete. All of that can be ours, all of that should be ours, all of that was meant to be ours. But here's what I see. Through all of my years in Christendom, we're not being taught that, friends. And therefore, we're stuck like a hamster on the wheel, living in the common things. But God is faithful. God has sent me this way to tell you.
that there is a salvation. And if you will not neglect it, the very angels of heaven will come and minister it to you. And as they minister it to you, your internal makeup, your mind, and your ability to engage with Him in the Spirit will be greater than it has ever been at any time in your life. Father, I thank You for the Word of God. I thank You for all those that are listening and that will listen. Minister to Your people tonight. Speak to us. Allow us to get in the Spirit and cross over and speak in the heavenly conversation so that we can know the benefits of salvation and what they are allowing us to walk into freely that you have prepared for those who love you. And from them, everything is being brought together to work for our good. We will praise you for all of it in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. Amen and amen. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. Um, we've got part eight of this to come this Sunday morning, and uh, we look forward to sharing that with you. I want to, again, thank all of those of you that listen through Mike Springston FFC podcast, Lift Him Higher Radio, and through our other media outreaches. I want to welcome your contact, if you would like to do so, springston56 at gmail.com, mikespringstonministries.com, ffcma.org, or through Family Fellowship Chapel's Facebook messaging. Well, God bless you until we speak again.